What's happening in the world coming up on NTD News. First, our top stories. Former President Trump says he may participate in future GOP primary debates. As for the recent indictments against him, a reporter says they are eroding confidence in the Justice Department. AI-generated news articles gone wrong. Multiple outlets are stopping an artificial intelligence experiment after errors in articles. Entrepreneur Elon Musk says his child's Los Angeles school hurt their relationship. He says the child became a communist and broke off communication. Senator Mitch McConnell's latest freeze incident reignites the debate about age limits for politicians. And we take a look at the story of a firefighter who saved others' homes from a blaze while his own burned down. Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Chris Beers. Our top news, former President Donald Trump may appear in future GOP primary debates. He implied the possibility during an interview on Todd Starnes' radio show. Trump was asked if he anticipated participating in a debate at some point. The former president replied, I might, it's possible. He added that he liked debating, but since he is currently in the lead, it seems, quote, foolish to do so. Trump holds a commanding lead in 538's GOP primary poll aggregation. The average currently shows Trump with 50.3% support nationally, with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis at a distant 14.8%. The second debate is scheduled for September 27th at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in California. Recent DOJ moves erode people's faith in the agency. That's according to President of the Committee for Justice, Kurt Levy, amid legal controversies surrounding President Biden and former President Trump. I spoke with Epic Times reporter Janice Heisel about the accusation. Janice Heisel, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Janice, talk to us about the recent revelation regarding the White House visitor logs. Well, the visitor logs show that there was a meeting between some representatives of Jack Smith, and he's that special counsel who brought the charges against President Trump in two different jurisdictions, um, that people representing him, him actually met with representatives of the White House. So a lot of people are saying that hey, wait a minute, President Joe Biden has repeatedly denied that there's any coordination between his people and Jack Smith's people. And this has led to a lot of suspicion and concern about that meeting. Now, government agencies are under fire for withholding information about President Biden and his son. Tell us about that. Well, House Republicans have been trying very hard to pry loose information about the foreign business dealings of Hunter Biden. There have been whistleblowers who have come forward. There are bank records they have found that really raise a lot of concerning questions about whether President or then Vice President Joe Biden had knowledge or involvement with these foreign business dealings and then maybe influenced U.S. policy. Now, in your recent article, you mentioned the tension between the principles and the practices of the DOJ. Uh, explain that. Well, I took a very deep dive into the latest document that was revealed in the Mar-a-Lago documents case, and that's, you know, the one where 
uh, former President Trump is accused of taking documents that are classified and mishandling them. And so in that case, they redacted a whole bunch, many, many, many pages, and then they ended up revealing some of the previously blacked out or redacted uh Words And I've got to tell you, I reviewed with Kash Patel, a former White House staffer who is also a former prosecutor. I also reviewed this with another attorney. Both of them are telling me that they can't see any rhyme or reason why, for example, would you redact a statement that says that President Trump was known to hold his documents in boxes? That is just a mystery. Why would you withhold a statement like that and then reveal it? It's, it's just adds to concerns that these people in federal government are not being on the up and up with releasing information to the American public. And Janice, Kurt Levy, president of the Committee for Justice, uh, said people have already become very distrustful of the DOJ in the wake of President Trump's four indictments now. Um, what did he say about this? Well, he, he and many others are questioning the circumstances under which these indictments have been brought, especially because these investigations began quite a long time ago, like two and a half or more years ago, and then all of a sudden the indictments come out in the middle of a presidential election campaign. So the timing alone is one of the biggest concerns about these indictments, as well as the nature of the evidence or lack thereof. Epic Times reporter Janice Heisel, thank you again. Thank you. An AI experiment in the world of sports news is on pause. Multiple outlets are stopping the artificial intelligence project after mistakes and glitches in articles. Here are the details. Gannett is the parent company for USA Today and various local newspapers. Axios reports that some of Gannett's papers participated in an experiment where they let artificial intelligence, or AI, write sports articles. That project has reportedly been stopped after criticism from readers. The paper which came under the spotlight the most was the Columbus Dispatch. For example, earlier this month, the Dispatch reportedly published a story where the system didn't correctly insert mascots' names. The article included the sentence, the Worthington Christian winning team mascot defeated the Westerville North losing team mascot 2-1. to one. The story has since been corrected. A spokesperson for Gannett told Fox News that it has halted its AI experiment and that it will continue to evaluate vendors as we refine processes to ensure all the news and information we provide meets the highest journalistic standards. Lead AI is the software company which was used by Gannett for this experiment. The company's CEO told Fox that they were working to fix the problem, saying, as with any new technological advance, some glitches can occur. We sincerely regret that a very small number of the thousand-plus articles we produced for Gannett newspaper sites on August 19th included some errors. 
We immediately launched an around-the-clock effort to correct the problems and made the appropriate changes. Some in the media business previously praised AI, saying it might even replace real journalists. Meanwhile, in related news, the co-founder of Google DeepMind, Mustafa Suleiman, had strong words on Friday regarding NVIDIA's AI technology. NVIDIA is the leading maker of chips used for AI, according to Investors.com. Suleiman told the Financial Times the U.S. should allow NVIDIA chip sales only to buyers who agree to ethically use the technology, saying the U.S. should mandate that any consumer of NVIDIA chips signs up to at least the voluntary commitments and more likely more than that. The U.S. is already restricting sales of such chips to China and some countries in the Middle East. Floridians are returning to their flooded homes following Hurricane Adalia. The storm surge rushed inland for miles, flooding low-lying communities and roadways in its path. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the latest on the damage. The heart of Florida's rural Big Bend region bore the brunt of Hurricane Adalia. Crystal River resident David Lemon assessed the damage. Look at it. See the bed? It was the water was just that high. Air conditioning going, everything tore up. And I don't know where to start it. I really don't. <laughs> but I got to start, so I just need a couple of days just to think about this stuff. Another resident, Edward DeCreasy, said the community is looking out for each other. If you see out here, all the neighbors looking after each other. I've probably had eight or ten neighbors call me throughout the storm to make sure I was out and the family was safe. And how's your, you know, is the boat gone? Is the car gone? Do you need anything? And I'm, I'm getting the same today. Everybody at work is texting and how's the place and what can we do to help? About 90 miles north, Austin Buddy Ellison in Horseshoe Beach mourned the loss of his grandfather's business. The shrimp farmer struggled to hold back tears. My grandfather always told me and my dad, he said, when he seen the storm in the century come, he said that was the worst one. He said, son, one day something's going to wipe Horseshoe out. The storm destroyed Ellison's house where his grandfather, Edward Oliver, had lived. The hurricane damaged the family's boat and destroyed their shrimp processing building. Can you get Money will not be able to rebuild that. The memories, the memories, and the actual stuff that was in that in there, money it won't be rebuilt. It can't it can't rebuild it. Money will not rebuild this. Adalia made landfall Wednesday morning at Keaton Beach in Florida's Big Bend region. The powerful Category 3 hurricane barreled up the coast with sustained winds of up to 125 miles per hour, torrential rains, and pounding surf. Before the storm, Ellison had intended to hand the business to his children. I had plans leaving it to my kids. With rules and regulations and the taxes going up, and now this, this storm is forcing us out of here. But without insurance or money to rebuild, Ellison says he'll have to leave. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Another $4 billion in funding for FEMA. That's what President Biden is asking for from Congress. That amount is on top of the $12 billion request he made last month. It also comes days after Hurricane Adalia wrecked havoc on Florida and several other states. FEMA's disaster relief fund is already running out of money for the year with disasters that also include the Maui wildfires. The federal government says there have been 15 weather-related disasters that have each exceeded $1 billion in damages. 
Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says passing more disaster funds for FEMA is a number one priority. And a heroic moment. A fire chief saved others' houses while his own home was burning. It happened near Spokane Valley in Washington State at the site of the Gray Fire last week. Dwayne Hughes recalled when the wind shifted and the fire started encroaching on his own neighborhood. But instead of rushing back to protect their own homes, Hughes and his crew stopped to save the houses of others they found burning or in danger along the route. He said his own house was completely destroyed in the blaze. This was like a war zone. I mean, everything was ash. There was nothing left. It was probably oh, 8.30 that evening before we actually made it far enough to, to see my house. And unfortunately, it was completely destroyed. But, you know, at that point, we had to turn around and, you know, continue our work. Seeing my house wasn't the primary objective. It was to save as many as we could. And we did. We saved, you know, that I can count uh, six, but we, we did lose one. The Gray Fire burned through more than 10,000 acres. As for Hughes and his wife, they're staying with their daughter, but they plan to move into an apartment next week. After the break, new jobs numbers for August released. The number shows a slowdown from the past two years of massive job growth. And a judge blocks Arkansas social media age gap verification law. The debate heating up. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. The U.S. economy added 187,000 jobs in August, slightly more than expected. But according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the August number is still a slowdown from the past two years of massive job growth. NTD Business's Don Ma speaks to an economist to break down today's report. And here with me now is Julia Pollock, Chief Economist at Zip Recruiter. Um, so Julia, 187,000 jobs added. Uh, expectations were actually lower than that. Um, so what's the story here today with uh, this month's jobs report? It's a good, strong number. It's exactly in line with the 2015 to 2019 average, which was 190,000 jobs. Job growth remains broad-based. Of course, it's led by healthcare, which is what we would expect to see over the long haul. Uh, and this report really marks a return to normal. Given demographic changes since the pandemic, uh, we actually would expect the run rate to be even lower now. And so this number is, is, is better in relative terms than the period before the pandemic. All right. And the unemployment rate, of course, went up 0.3 percent. It's quite a bit of a jump uh, there, isn't it? It is, but it went up for good reasons. Now, if in the coming months those new participants are not absorbed quickly, that could be a sign of, uh, of concern and of too much slowing in the labor market. For now, we're not yet there. Uh, the ma magical threshold of the labor market is really sort of 4 percent unemployment. When unemployment is below that level, then we see a lot of good things happen in the labor market. Participation tends to increase and gaps, gender gaps, um, racial gaps in the labor market in employment gains and in wage growth actually tend to reverse and narrow. Right. 3.8 is historically still a low number. Um, but what factors uh, contributed, do you think, into this uh, uptick in unemployment? 
The main factor here was a large increase in labor force participation. So the labor force expanded in this report by over 700,000 workers. Uh, many are, are coming back now that schools are, you know, in a better position. They're not fully staffed yet, but they're doing a bit better. Childcare services are gaining jobs. Nursing homes are increasingly reopening and are getting better. And so many people who stepped out of the labor force due to childcare uh, are, are actually able to, to come back now in larger numbers. Is it clear now that the labor market has slowed from, from its peak? Because as well, uh, June and July was revised down by a total of uh, 110,000 jobs. Yes, no, this, pretty much all the data now is converging. The private sector data, the public sector data, it all is pointing to a slowing labor market, but that is not slowing too much. That has merely come back to normal, back to the sort of pre-pandemic labor market conditions, which were good and strong for job seekers and workers, pretty challenging for employers, but uh, only to the extent that they encouraged employers to make investments in uh, productivity improving technologies and to improve the quality of the jobs they were offering. Thank you so much today, Julia. Always a pleasure speaking with you. Good speaking with you too, thanks. Arkansas's social media age gap verification law won't go into effect today. A U.S. district judge temporarily blocked the law as the legal battle continues. The measure would have required parental consent and age verification for new social media users. A group representing social media companies argued that the law censors free speech and undermines the privacy of the people of Arkansas, to which advocates counter that it would protect children from online predators. Elon Musk says his oldest child was turned into a communist after attending a Los Angeles school. He says the child now hates him for being rich. Musk made the comments for his upcoming biography, some of which was published in the Wall Street Journal. In it, he blames Los Angeles private school Crossroads, at least partially, for their strained relationship. Musk's oldest child is biologically male, but began identifying as transgender at 16 years old. Musk says the child then broke off all contact with him and became a fervent Marxist. The biography excerpt says Musk's current beliefs come from this experience with Xavier, who now goes by the name of Jenna. He says this relationship is the most painful experience in his life since his first child died as an infant. Voters and political insiders are debating about age limits for politicians. The debate is heating up days after Senator Mitch McConnell froze again while taking questions. The doctor on Capitol Hill gave McConnell the all-clear yesterday and said it was due to lightheadedness from his concussion recovery or dehydration. The top Senate Republican was concussed during a fall in March, and the recent incidents have raised questions about the 81-year-old's fitness and that of the other older members of government. A new survey at the Associated Press that shows 77% of Americans believe President Biden is too old to be effective for four more years. Voters who support age limits for the president and members of Congress have launched online campaigns to promote the idea, but any legally binding change would require a constitutional amendment, and those efforts haven't gained much support on Capitol Hill. Coming up, the Pentagon announces a new website where the public can see the government's declassified UFO findings. And chemical manufacturer 3M agrees to pay billions of dollars more in a settlement for forever chemicals. 
We'll have the details soon when we return. Back to the news. The Defense Department launched a website where the public can see unclassified information on the government's UFO findings. This website will provide information, including videos and photos, on resolved UAP cases as they're declassified and approved for public release. The website's other content includes reporting trends and frequently asked questions section, as well as links to official reports, transcripts, press releases, and other resources that the public may find useful. The All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office handles the country's efforts regarding what are now called unidentified anomalous phenomena. The office was established in July 2022 to detect, identify, and attribute objects of interest in all domains, including air, ground, sea, or space, to help address any associated threats to safety of operations and national security. The website announcement comes amid increased demands from Congress for more government transparency on these phenomena. In one instance, members of Congress are seeking information on a program that retrieves and reverse engineers alien spacecraft recovered from crashes. They sent a letter to the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community asking for an answer this month. Biden's latest effort to boost the country's EV productions, the Energy Department announced $12 billion in grants and loans to the industry. The money will be used to convert existing factories into plants that make hybrid and electric vehicles. The Biden administration says the move will help auto workers keep jobs in their communities. That's as the White House pursues policies designed to reduce gas-powered cars and increase EVs. The announcement comes as President Biden seeks the endorsement of the United Auto Workers Union. So far, the UAW has declined to support his re-election. And in New York, cigarette taxes are going up by $1 per pack starting today. That makes the state one of the most expensive places to buy cigarettes. The cigarette tax is now at $5.35. Supporters of the tax hike say the move can reduce the availability of cigarettes. Opponents argue it will further expand the illegal market. New York State Health Department says 20% of high school-aged teens use tobacco products, and according to the CDC, smoking-related illness are the leading cause of preventable deaths across the nation. Another update on cigarettes. The FDA says it still plans to finalize a ban on menthol, but the agency is running behind schedule. The administration announced it would ban the popular flavor last April. The deadline was set for August 2023 to work out the de details, and though the date has come and gone, it's still listed online. A spokesperson said the FDA will instead complete work on the rule in the coming months. Flavors and cigarettes were banned in 20 2009, and, but after lobbying pressure from the industry, menthol was left out of the ban. Scientists warned the flavor can make cigarettes more addictive. The start of September brings big changes to food stamp eligibility. 
Now, policies for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP, are in place. Basically, more low-income Americans will be required to work in order to receive food stamps. Able-bodied adults up to 50 years old who don't have kids will now have to show proof they're working at least 80 hours a month or that they are enrolled in an education or training program to receive SNAP. In October, that age requirement will increase to 52 years old. Homeless people, veterans, and adults up to 24 years old who aged out of foster care are exempt from the new mandates. Congress sees the new work requirements as a twofer. It reduces government spending and bolsters the nation's labor force at the same time. Chemical manufacturer 3M has agreed to pay billions of dollars more in a settlement proposal over alleged forever chemical contamination of public drinking water systems. Under the new agreement, 3M admits no guilt and said it just wants to avoid further legal drama. The settlement resolves objections brought by a coalition of 22 attorneys general to the prior settlement, and it brings the total payout from $10.5 billion up to a maximum of $12.5 billion. The invisible man-made chemicals that are the subject of the settlements are called PFAS, also called forever chemicals. They're known for their resistance to grease, oil, water, and heat, and they don't easily break down in the human body or the environment. The company still faces thousands of lawsuits alleging PFAS contamination that are not part of the latest settlement. When we return, the U.S. is stepping up military support for Taiwan, $80 million worth. Our guest explores that and why China is constantly making moves around the island. And Pope Francis makes his first ever visit to Mongolia, a country with very few Catholics. So why is he there? Find out soon here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, here are some of today's top headlines. Experiments with AI sports writing are called off after multiple errors in articles. Meanwhile, an industry expert cautioned that the, use, that the U.S. should require AI chip buyers to sign an ethics agreement. Elon Musk accuses a Los Angeles school of turning his child into a communist. He says the child now hates him for being rich. The comment made for his forthcoming biography. The debate over an age limit for politicians was rekindled after Senator Mitch McConnell froze again recently. A doctor gave him the all-clear, but the incident sparked questions about senior politicians, including President Biden. The U.S. bolstering Taiwan's military. The Biden administration has approved a new military equipment transfer to Taiwan. It's through a program usually reserved for sovereign nations, and it's worth $80 million. This new aid is possible because Congress and President Biden at the top of the year approved a big boon for Taiwan, $2 billion of military equipment every year for the next five years. Here to discuss the move that has China displeased is Colonel John Mills, former Director of Cybersecurity Policy at the DOD. Colonel John Mills, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Chris. An honor to be on your show with you. Colonel, the U.S. has sold arms to Taiwan before, but never through a channel that implies uh, Taiwanese statehood. What's the significance of that aspect of this sale? 
Well, this was authorized in the fiscal year 2023 National Defense Authorization Act. This should be looked at, which approved $2 billion per year of what we should call Lend-Lease. This is essentially World War II era support to Great Britain, this time to, uh, this time to Taiwan. And we're actually paying for it. This is $2 billion American taxpayers are paying and giving to Taiwan over and above what they're already spending, which is uh, in the mid-$20 billion. So this is a big deal. And look at this is World War II era Lend-Lease. How did this compare to previous arms sales to Taiwan? In terms well, we of scale? Have a, uh, it, it is a large set. I mean, most of the sales in the past were in the hundreds of millions, maybe the low, you know, uh, breaching a billion dollar. This is the first increment. It's 500 million of the 200 billion authorized. So expect more. This allows Taiwan uh, to essentially pick and choose both the prickly weapons that American policy analysts have recommended and the prestige weapons, which are very important because prestige weapons also have a role in deterring China. Now, Wu Qian, the spokesperson for China's defense military, said China would resolutely counter this move. What might any countermeasures look like? Well, what's going on now is a maintenance maintenance grind game where they're trying to wear down the Taiwan Air Force and Navy because when you generate all these aircraft launches, all these sorties, this means maintenance, maintenance, maintenance. Now, normally it's looked at, well, Chinese has a much, the Chinese have a much larger air force. That's okay. However, this maintenance grind works both ways. This is grinding down the Chinese Air Force also, and I trust the Taiwanese maintenance better than I do the Chinese. And John, what does this foreign military sales agreement between the U.S. and Taiwan mean, given the growing tensions overall between Taiwan and China? Well, I think one of the weapons that immediately comes to the forefront is the HIMARS rocket system, which is uh, made in uh, uh, Arkansas. So that plant, that's where they make both the launchers and the rockets. And that plant is essentially almost quadrupling production. We're going to make 100 launchers a year. Taiwan already has um, some of the launchers. They want about 50 to 100 more. So we're ramping up that plant in, uh, I think it's Blytheville, Arkansas. Wow. So the arming of Ukraine has faced pushback um, in the U.S., especially by conservatives. Has the arming of Taiwan faced similar pushback? No, it, it actually has strong bipartisan support. Um, we got to get them the weapons quick. Um, and uh, uh, I, so I think it has strong support. We just have to ramp up the plants that make these material, whether it's 155 millimeter artillery ammunition, which depends on about four or five key plants. We have to get the quick strike mines. These are air launched mines and then we have wing kits for them so you can fly them at the mines in from a ways away. Very important. Um, um, so this is, uh, we got to ramp up these plants. Uh, we're, we're still struggling to do that. All right, Colonel John Mills, thank you again. Chris, thank you very much. 
Pope Francis made his first visit to Mongolia today. The country is predominantly Buddhist, with fewer than 1,500 Catholics. So why is the Pope there? In one word, China. The Vatican says it wants to smooth over relations between the two countries. The visit also follows Francis's broader policy of drawing attention to people and problems in what he has called the peripheries of society and the world. The Pope has still not visited most of the capitals in Western Europe. Francis also wired customary greetings to the leaders of each country he flew over, including China, assuring Xi Jinping of his prayers for the, quote, well-being of the nation. China's foreign ministry said Francis's greetings to Xi reflected, quote, his blessings and goodwill. The 86-year-old, who has used a wheelchair since an operation in June, appeared in high spirits when he landed in the capital Ulaanbaatar after a 10-hour flight. Though Francis is often received as a superstar on his trips abroad, there were few signs the Pope had arrived in the predominantly Buddhist country apart from a joyous reception along his motorcade route. On Sunday, Francis plans to preside over a mass and several other religious events before his Monday departure. Still to come, fast fashion firms gearing up for a new textile waste law in Europe. We go inside a sorting factory to find out how garments are processed and recycled. And Hungarians are struggling to afford vacation this year. A popular lake destination sees fewer visitors amid high prices. Stay tuned for more on that when we return. Welcome back. Fast fashion firms are facing a new waste law in the European Union. It requires member states to separate textiles from other waste. Let's take a look at how one sorting facility is getting prepared. Clothing waste in Europe is a huge problem. Last year, the European Union exported 1.5 million tons of used textiles, a figure that's more than doubled since 2000. With new rules looming on used textiles, how is Europe going to process its mountain of old clothes? Workers at this sorting facility are taking a small step to address it. The plant is on the outskirts of Barcelona, run by a charity called Motorey. It's partly funded by Inditex, which owns Zara. Textiles from thousands of donation bins end up here. Some of these used garments will end up in secondhand shops, others in African countries. A fraction will be recycled. Infrared machines help decipher what they're made of. Until recently, these fibers could go to landfills to be incinerated or burned. And what we are trying to do is turn these garments that no one is going to wear anymore into new fibers. Retail giants like Inditex are bracing for a new EU law that will require member states to separate textiles from other waste starting in January 2025. The European Commission has warned about the dangers of fast fashion to the environment. But some estimates suggest it will cost billions to create the scale of textile waste processing the EU is aiming for and take hundreds of plants. For its part, the motorway facility is gearing up to double the amount of textiles it handles, as well as expand sites in other cities. So, because of this legislation, 
Well, we assume that much more clothing is going to be deposited in the containers. And someone must take care of it. Why are the garment manufacturers so interested? Because many of the garments put on the market will be picked up by us. And we will give them an ecological solution. And in our case, social. About 8% of clothes at the sorting facility end up being resold in secondhand stores like this. And while shop coordinator Raquel Morada says, of course, customers are on the hunt for a good bargain, there is also a mindset shift taking place. But uh, right now, yes, we are, we are just changing this point of view. I mean, many people are coming for sustainability and uh, things are like a uh, circular economy and things like that. So um, people more aware of the, of the change that we are, we are doing in the planet. Fewer Hungarians could afford to go on vacation this year due to the country's high inflation. The Central European nation has experienced the highest inflation in the European Union, peaking at 25% in the first quarter of 2023. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more. Hungary's Lake Balaton is a popular vacation destination, but high prices are preventing some from cooling off. Prime Minister Viktor Orban says the government is addressing the problem. We're working relentlessly, dragging down inflation and pushing up wages so that after August wages will catch up with the rate of price increases. We're going to have a tough autumn, so a lot will have to be done. No one can announce a result now. We'll see that in December. Christian Mersek is an electrician from Budapest with two small children. Last year they could rent an apartment by the lake for five days. This year, prices doubled, and they could no longer afford the accommodations. Instead, they stayed at a friend's house. It's not only at Lake Balaton, but everywhere that everything costs four times as much as before. It's unrealistic. I assume traders will not have as much revenue as before because they have fewer customers, as people do not buy like they did last year. According to the Association of Hotels and Restaurants, hotel occupancy at Lake Balaton dropped by 10 to 15 percent compared to last year. Association director Tomas Flesch says there are two main reasons for the decline. One is that fewer people could afford to go on holiday because of the inflation, and the other is that this was the first year after 2019 that people could travel freely again across the world, and those who could afford it seized upon this chance, of course. The government expects inflation to be in single digits by October or November, but some experts say it's a ploy. To be honest, when we are talking about this single-digit inflation, it sounds quite nice, but it is, how can I say, a communication trick or, or, or a political masterpiece, if you like. Hungary's interest rates continue to be the highest in the European Union. And staying in Europe, construction work in Poland's capital, Warsaw, offers a glimpse into the past. Builders there uncovered the remains of long-lost streets buried underground. What we see directly behind me is a stone platform, which is another layer of history. The layer which was built on top of the pre-war city, on its rubble. It was a symbol of post-war communist Warsaw. May military parades, which were the biggest celebration of that era, were watched from this platform. There are rooms under this platform, and these rooms were used by communist dignitaries to get some rest and freshen up after the speech. It was a kind of technical room for high officials who were speaking from the platform. The remains date back to before World War II. The rooms were turned into a nightclub following the fall of communism in the 1990s. 
The construction site above the ruins will soon turn into a new flagship square. Authorities say it will reflect the layout of the old streets buried below. And over in Germany, a 98-year-old former Nazi concentration camp guard is facing charges. Authorities there say he aided and abetted the killing of more than 3,300 people. In accordance with German privacy laws, prosecutors did not release the man's name. He allegedly worked at a concentration camp in northern Germany during the Holocaust between 1943 and 1945. He will face a juvenile court because he was under 18 when he served at the camp. Of the roughly 200,000 prisoners who passed through the camp, roughly 100,000 are thought to have died there. Coming up, a giant bull in Nebraska got a ride in the front seat of a car. Police were quick to pull over the special passenger. And over 92,000 fans flocked to a volleyball game at the University of Nebraska, setting a world record. We'll be back with more soon here on NTD News. Next, we have some amusing stories from the week. Let's start with a special car passenger in Nebraska. Police pulled over an unusual vehicle with a giant bull sitting in the front seat. Police said when the report came in, they first thought it was just a calf. What they found instead was a Watusi bull, a breed known for its giant spiraling horns. The vehicle was modified to make space for the bull, nicknamed Howdy Doody. The driver was a resident of a nearby town. Officers asked him to take the bull back home. In another animal story, the star of the show is a goat. Police in Grand City, South Dakota shared this video. A canine officer was leading this special recruit along a vehicle for a drug sniff. It's expected to join the canine police force. The sheriff's department joked on Facebook that the goat is a perfect fit for the job, if only based on being adorable. and a world record at the University of Nebraska, the largest crowd for a women's sporting event. More than 92,000 fans flocked to Memorial Stadium in Lincoln to watch a volleyball match on Wednesday. The outdoor stadium, which usually hosts the university's American football games, has a listed capacity of over 85,000, but attendances have exceeded 90,000 in the past. On this episode of Strong Mind and Body, we look at five popular spices that are effective in treating everyday ailments. Here's Gina Marie. Many of us use spices in our homes, but not everybody knows that they can be as healthful and nutritious as they are delicious. They can cure everyday ailments and even ward off chronic disease. Sure, a sprinkle of ginger isn't a substitute for professional medical advice, but science is beginning to confirm what traditional medicine has known for centuries, that nature has its own medicine cabinet. Reap the benefits by adding the following five wonder spices to your spice rack. 
Number one, cinnamon. Cinnamon is commonly used in both sweet and savory foods. It's a fragrant, great tasting spice that has proven to cure a number of everyday health ailments. Its antibacterial and anti-inflammatory properties make it a good remedy for stomach bugs, bloating, and cramps and discomfort. Cinnamon contains large quantities of antioxidants. These protect the body from oxidative damage caused by free radicals. Cinnamon has also shown to lower blood sugar, stave off heart disease, fight HIV and protect against cancer and Alzheimer's. Be sure to look for Ceylon, true cinnamon. Number two is saffron. Saffron is an exotic spice used to liven up dishes. It has a strong essence and a distinctive yellow-orange color. Saffron has many valuable uses, including as a natural medicine. This spice is rich in manganese, vitamin C, magnesium, iron, potassium, and vitamin B6. It has been used for treating cramps, indigestion, asthma, high blood pressure, and fever. It has also demonstrated efficacy in relieving premenstrual syndrome symptoms and treating mild depression. Moreover, it shows potential for treating cancer. Number three, turmeric. Turmeric's main active ingredient is curcumin. This is a powerful anti-inflammatory and strong antioxidant. It's capable of neutralizing free radicals. This makes it useful in medicine. It's packed with iron, vitamin B6, magnesium, potassium, vitamin C, and zinc. This spice has proven effective in treating numerous ailments and diseases. This includes headaches, heartburn, arthritis, stomach pain, fever, depression, and lung infections. It can also help to control diabetes and prevent or even treat cancer. Number four is cumin. Cumin also serves medicinal purposes. It's a good source of iron, magnesium, and vitamins and minerals. It is widely used as a remedy for colds, anemia, indigestion, insomnia, fever, vomiting, diarrhea, piles, and asthma. It is thought to enhance vision and mental function. Furthermore, some studies suggest that it can prevent cancer, particularly colon cancer and diabetes. Number five, chili. Chili is loved by many for its zesty hotness and endorphin-releasing effects. But this wonder spice offers more than just culinary thrills. It is loaded with vitamin A, vitamin B6, vitamin C, calcium, magnesium, and potassium. Chili can clear headaches and sinus congestion, fight inflammation, relieve muscle, joint, and nerve pain, improve digestion, aid in weight loss, improve cardiovascular function, and prevent cancer. So next time you're out shopping, be sure to pick up cinnamon, saffron, turmeric, cumin, and chili. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Chris Beers.